Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Fable, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. Today is my birthday! To celebrate, I wanted to do something that's maybe a little selfish, read you a short story that I wrote myself. I'm going to play for you the audiobook version of my book that is available on Amazon, should you be so inclined to purchase. But first, let's start with a breathing exercise. Let's do a gratitude mindfulness exercise. First, let's focus on our breath. Natural, slowly inhale. Don't force your breath. Just feel the inhale into your lungs. Hold it for just a moment and exhale slowly. In on a slow count of four. Hold it and exhale on a slow count of four. Let's now focus a bit on our mind. We are going to think of three things you should be grateful for. You may be in a difficult situation or time in your life right now, and so this question may be hard to answer. That's okay. You can be grateful for small things, like the air you breathe and the water you drink. Or you can name something on a massive scale. That's good too. Just try to answer the question, if you could, what would you be grateful for right now? Or what do you hold in your heart? Focus on just one of these three things for now. Focus and be truly grateful in this moment. Think whatever it is in your mind. Metaphorically embrace this thing for which you are grateful. Now move your attention to the second thing you are grateful for, the second item you hold in your heart. Again, it can be very simple like your favorite beverage, or perhaps a pet, or even an item you own. Right now, be truly grateful for that thing. Think about what it brings to your life, and think it internally. And now move on to the third thing for which you are grateful for. It doesn't have to be something physical. It could be a concept or an idea. Perhaps an activity you enjoy doing. Or a blessing you feel you have in your life. Focus on this item and be truly grateful in this moment. Really see it in your mind and feel the joy it brings you. Slowly bring your focus back to your breath once more. Just sit with the rhythm for a moment without adjusting it in any way. When you're ready, open your eyes. Notice two things in the room that you haven't noticed before or haven't paid much attention to in a while. Look around and notate the first item, 
really see it. Name that item and review it. Now find the second item and focus your attention on it for a moment. Name this item as well and look it over. Great job! You've completed the exercise. I like to take a nice, long, slow sigh to celebrate, and I invite you to do the same as well. If you need to, you can sit a bit more with your natural breathing rhythm. Stop when you feel ready. And now, here's the story. The Tooth and the Crawl Space by Caroline Favel based on a true event and a dream. Here's your stop, Vivi, Miss Duncan announced as she pulled the lever that opened the bus door. Thanks, Maudie. See you Monday. Vivi slung her heavy bag over one shoulder and hopped down the steps, plopping her feet onto the gravel together with a little bend in her knee. This had to have been one of the longest weeks in history, and she was happily looking forward to the weekend fast approaching. As she made her way to the front door of the house, Vivi heard the familiar voices of her parents. I'm saying I don't know, not that I don't believe you, her father said in a strained way. She had never heard her parents fully yell at one another, but there was a particular tone in his voice that signaled he was trying to control his anger. They must have been arguing for a bit before this point. Slowly, she turned the handle, trying her best not to make a sound. Slam! Vivi stared at the doorknob in exasperation. She had overswung the door in an attempt to dampen the creaking noise the hinge made and hadn't been fast enough in catching it before the door latch closed loudly. Oh, hello, Genevieve, darling, her mother said in a cheerful way that was slightly put on. Dinner will be ready in about two hours. Do you need a snack? No, thanks, Mom, Vivi answered. I'm just going to do my homework now so I don't even have to think about school all weekend. That's my girl, her father said with a gentle smile. Her arrival seemed to be dissipating their frustrations. Vivi was about to hop up the stairs when something on the floor caught her eye. She bent over, ignoring the hefty pull on her shoulder as her bag fell to the floor with a dull thud. Squinting in confusion, she gingerly picked up the object. White and almost plasticky, it seemed to glow a bit from the light. What do you have there? Her father asked, walking over with interest. I don't know. It kind of looks like a tooth. She held it up for her parents to look. What she had thought was a piece of plastic was eggshell in color and curved, like the fang of a wolf. This was baffling since not only were there no wolves in the area as far as Vivi knew, but they did not have any pets at this time. Their family dog, Hunter, had passed away from old age six months ago, and while there had been talk of adopting another furry friend, they had not yet gotten around to it. Ew! Her mother shrieked, putting her hand to her mouth. Throw it out and wash your hands immediately! Who knows what sort of germs that thing has? Oh, do I have to? It's really neat looking. The tooth was now resting in her palm. It was a solid inch, a little shorter than her pinky finger, even with the curved shape. But the base was crusted with dried blood. An odd warmth was radiating from the tooth, and Vivi felt her eyes drawn to the crusted enamel. Mom's right, you could get sick, her father said in agreement. Okay, I'll go wash up when I get upstairs, Vivi said dejected. She knew her parents were right, but it was disappointing to throw out such a mystery. Where had the tooth come from? What animal had it even come from? Perhaps it got dragged in on a shoe. 
All right, let's just agree that this door should be kept closed from now on, okay? She heard her mother begin as Vivi crept slowly up the stairs. Her parents had continued the discussion from earlier, but it seemed they were looking for a resolution. I wish this tooth would have a resolution, Vivi muttered to herself. She was standing in the hallway between the staircase and her bedroom. Behind her was her parents' room, and in front of her was the bathroom. Around the corner, the unused guest room. <gasps> the guest room! She breathed, alight with an idea. She hurriedly threw her backpack on the floor in the threshold of her bedroom door and scampered down the hall to the guest room. Her parents only ever went in to freshen the linens before company arrived, and no one was expected this time of year. She crept in, feeling as sneaky as a ninja, and laid the tooth on the dresser, pushing it with her finger around the empty jewelry box until it was stationed out of view. Phoebe didn't want to exactly lie to her parents, but she couldn't seem to force herself to throw the tooth out. It felt as if it was calling out to her, and Vivi could almost make out a whining noise when she held it. Must be my imagination, Vivi laughed as she turned around in one fluid motion and skipped to the bathroom to thoroughly wash her hands. I'll go exploring tomorrow and see if I can find any clues, she whispered to herself excitedly. Staring down at her raw and pink hands as she walked back to her room, she determined she had washed satisfactorily. A light smirk graced her face. Her mother was always overly cautious about things. Still, the dried blood was probably not a healthy substance to leave on her hands, so she couldn't fault her too much. She grabbed her bag and, with an exaggerated leap, fell face first on her bed, letting out a contented sigh and curled up into a ball. The rest of the night was uneventful. Vivi finished all of her homework, as she had planned, and had started drawing a map of her neighborhood when she was called for dinner. She politely glazed in and out of the conversation, something about Phil and accounting microwaving his leftover fish, as her mind kept creeping back to the tooth. As much as she'd hoped she'd find clues, what would she do if she did? Imagine walking through the forest behind Mrs. Treble's shed, she thought, and coming across a bear. I guess I'd play dead. Or are you now supposed to yell at bears? It doesn't matter, there are no bears here. Are there? Are you all right, dear? Her mother asked, staring at Vivi. Is something wrong with the chicken? Huh? You've got an odd look on your face, her father elaborated. Oh, uh, no, I, uh, I was just, well, Vivi sighed, her curiosity getting the better of her. I was wondering what kind of animal that tooth came from. A wolf? A bear? No, no, that tooth was much too small to be a bear, her mother reasoned. And there aren't any wolves in the area anymore. True, but we have been seeing a rise in coyotes, her father added. Charles, don't scare her. Her mother chided. I'm not, Ruth. Am I, Vivi? Charles asked, a little unsure. No, I'm not scared, Vivi said happily. I want to know what you think it could be from. I think it's from a neighborhood dog. Perhaps it chewed on our mailbox or something, causing the tooth to come out and one of us dragged it in. Nothing to worry about, all right? Ruth said in a kind tone, but in a manner that implied the conversation was over. Okay, thanks, Mom. Vivi said, a little disappointed to hear such a logical explanation. I'm pretty sure it's a coyote, her father whispered towards her with a wink. Vivi smiled and went back to eating her dinner. She'd investigate tomorrow and come to her own conclusion. Surprisingly, Vivi hadn't given the tooth another thought the rest of the evening. When it got a bit too late, she stretched out in the comfort of her bed, feeling the cool sheets surround her as she bundled herself into a cocoon with only her head visible on the pillow. Eyes closed, she sank into a peaceful slumber. She had just started on a rather unusual dream, where her school had become a large gingerbread house, when she awoke suddenly with a start. 
eyes opening wide, she looked around, not sure why she was breathing so quickly. I wasn't having a bad dream, she thought, propping herself up on her elbow. She reached out a hand for the glass of water by her bed and froze. There was a shadow moving in the hallway. Vivi was too old to need a nightlight, but she preferred to sleep with her bedroom door open, a rollover habit from when Hunter would visit her in the night. What was moving was not a memory shadow of a dog, nor was it an actual shadow of her parents. This silhouette was tall and hunched over and creeping up the stairs slowly. Not knowing what else to do, Vivi pulled her outstretched arm back to her, moving inch by inch so as not to make any sound or shadow movement of her own. She opened her mouth and sucked in air so slowly she wasn't even sure it could be called breathing. Was she still asleep, or was this what had woken her? The figure had reached the landing of the second floor now and was rounding the corner. In a mere moment, Vivi would have eyes on whatever it was that caused such a shadow. Her heart was pounding so hard it hurt. And there, there it was. The large figure, cloaked in darkness, looked scaly and hard. It seemed as though walking on its hind legs did not come naturally, and the hunched back extended into a long, slender neck, which held an elongated, beak-like muzzle. Vivi glanced down at the legs. The forearms were protruding in an awkward way, and it was hard to tell how long they really were. What was quite clear, however, were the long, sharp claws, with points that glowed from the moonlight through the window. That moment when the creature walked past her door seemed to have taken forever. Yet it went so fast, Vivi realized she hadn't paid any attention to the backside of the creature. Had it even been real? It was so quiet. But no. Around the bend, she could see the swaying of a tail. Long and pointy, it looked like a snake. Vivi shook herself out of the daze she was in and looked down. She had unknowingly sat up on the edge of her bed after the creature had passed, hoping, she supposed, to see more of it. She heard a soft click of a door down the hallway. It wasn't her parents' room. It was the guest room. Barely believing her own audacity, she crept silently forward to her door and peered out. Was she imagining this? There was one way to find out. Taking a steadying breath, Vivi slid through her open door, careful not to touch it, and crept stiffly to the guest room. The door was open. That is not a coyote, Vivi thought to herself in disbelief. Her initial assumptions had been right. The creature standing before her, at least six feet tall, hunched over, looked to be a reptile. Actually, it looks like a plucked chicken, Vivi thought wryly. Her fear was starting to make the situation a bit funny. Here she was, in her pajamas, staring at a wingless dragon-like creature as it... What was it doing? Vivi stretched her neck to the left, leaning her entire body to get a better look. With one instant, the creature had turned its head and was staring straight at Vivi, eyes glowing red, baring its fangs as it hissed deeply. Vivi let out a breathless scream as her legs gave out beneath her crumbling her small frame to the floor. Time seemed to stand still in that moment, the beast glaring menacingly down and Vivi utterly helpless in what was to happen next. Slowly, the snarl eased off the beast's face, its eyes still tinted red in the moonlight. It seemed as though it realized Vivi was not at all a threat. Almost as suddenly as it had turned on her, it returned to its previous ministrations. Vivi was at a loss for what to do. She didn't think she was capable of standing, but she was worried her luck would run out quickly. Perhaps if she crept away slowly, pulling herself along with her arms, she could make it past the door. She needed to get to her parents' room. However, 
Just as her body had connected with her brain to start on her plan, the beast had begun turning around once again. It seemed to have sensed her desire to escape, and it violently rushed towards her, making her squeeze all the air from her lungs in terror as she put her hands up to defend herself, eyes pinched tightly closed. She could feel the beast's hot breath on her skin, the smell of rotten meat between its teeth. Vivi felt a dull pressure in her palm and looked up to see the beast attempting to push something in her hand. The tooth. I just found it, I promise. I don't know how it got here, Vivi felt compelled to say. Surely the beast couldn't understand her, but it was acting like it wanted an explanation. The beast simply stared at her for a long while. That's a good sign, right? Vivi thought. Perhaps the beast was capable of higher thought after all. The beast began to growl in what Vivi believed to be English. You can speak, it said. Yes, Vivi answered disbelievingly. Was this creature thinking the same thing about her as Vivi had been about it? My flesh, it said. My son. He is missing. He is in this world. You must come. Oh, I... what? Come where? This tooth smells of you. You talk when you touch it. It is a sign. Vivi tried to register what was happening. She could speak to this beast because of the tooth? How was that even possible? Too afraid to ask, Vivi slowly got up and went to the closet, where her mother kept a few craft items. If the tooth was able to help her communicate, she would need to fasten it to herself so she wouldn't drop it. Should I really go with it? She thought as she grabbed some ribbon and began tightening it around the tooth. It isn't safe, but what will happen if I try to refuse? Hurry, it growled. Vivi held up the tooth on her makeshift necklace and became disheartened as it easily slipped through the knot she had tied, falling to the floor. This would have worked in a movie, she sighed. Glancing at the beast, Vivi began to panic. Patience was a foreign concept to this creature. Her eyes darting wildly around the closet, she tried to think about how best to adhere it to herself. She couldn't just put it in her pocket, right? It had to be touching skin? Glue? No. Elmer's wouldn't be strong enough. Aha! she whispered. Duct tape. Quickly ripping a square piece, she plastered the tooth onto her collarbone. It wasn't pretty, but it would do. No, come, the beast said, clearly having understood what Vivi had been trying to do. It walked silently through the door and down the hallway. What would happen if Vivi just locked herself in the guest room and called the police? She thought of those long, sharp claws and the whip-like tail. A wooden door wouldn't do much good against that. The beast stopped just within sight of the guest bedroom door and glanced in Vivi's direction. A silent threat. Vivi pursed her lips and began walking with trembling legs. The beast led her to the downstairs coat closet. Vivi glanced at the front door and then again upstairs. How had the beast even gotten into the house? This way, it said, in an even gruffer growl, clearly losing patience. Vivi made a decision in that moment. She would do as the beast said. If she screamed for her parents or tried to run, things would not end well. This was her best shot at protecting her family. Trying to push those dark and scary thoughts aside, Vivi noticed that the beast had pushed the coats away and was waiting for Vivi to enter the closet. As she approached the beast, she saw a crawlspace she had never known was there. She looked up at the beast curiously. Without any explanation, the beast moved forward, crouching unbelievably low as its large frame tried to squeeze into the small area. It somehow seemed to fit, and Vivi followed silently, trying desperately not to touch the long tail that dragged along the floor. Curiously, the space began to get brighter, not darker. Did the beast have some sort of flashlight? Vivi couldn't see past the large body in front of her, but she quickly noticed the grass that had started creeping along the floor. 
Were they now underneath the house? The beast somehow moved out of the way fully, and Vivi was blinded by light for a moment. Blinking, her eyes took in the interesting sights before her. This was not a basement. They had made it outside, the sun shining brightly upon larger-than-life plants, the air full of bird songs and insect chirping. She found her footing and stood up, mouth open in disbelief. The chirping bug looked to be the size of a house cat, and on the leaf beside her was an animal that had the look of a caterpillar but only had four legs, like a lizard. Movement caught her eye, and she saw the beast silently walk away. Knowing she was meant to follow, she hurried to catch up with its long gait, still taking in the sights around her. This is... where are we? she said aloud, hoping the beast would answer. Unsurprisingly, it did not. Left in silence, apart from the nature sounds, Vivi's mind began to wander. This must be where the beast is from, and now I know where the tooth came from, but how did the beast's son find our crawl space? And where could it have gone to? If it's in my world, why are we here, in this place? Vivi reached out at the waxy flower beside her. It was a vibrant shade of pink and looked a bit like a tulip. As her fingers got nearer, Vivi thought she saw the petals start to twitch. Curious, she laid her hand on the soft flower skin and watched in wonder as the flower opened widely, emitting a sweet fragrance like honey. It made her feel calm and suddenly very sleepy. The flower looked so inviting. What a lovely spot it must be for a nap. Vivi went to climb up when a sharp pinch snapped her out of the trance. The beast had clamped its claw on her shoulder and roughly pulled her back, causing her to lose her balance and fall to the ground. Within that time, the flower had bared pointy thorns like teeth along the flower petals. It grew twice its size, stretching out its stem as it aimed its mouth towards the beast. The beast hunched slightly, tensing its body as it let out a loud screech. The flower aimed down towards the beast swiftly, just as the beast swerved its body, cutting the stem with its tail as though it were a blade. The flower fell to the side, letting out so much fragrance at once, it caused a wailing sound. The liquid spewing from the stem sizzled on the ground. Acid. Vivi caught herself panting loudly, as if she had been the one fighting. She shook her head and blinked her eyes several times, trying to understand what had just happened. A flower. A flower! had tried to eat her, and the beast, the beast saved her. She looked up at the beast, noticing the steam from an acid burn coming from its tail. It glanced down at her, its eyes a deep crimson. Up, it said, as it began along the trail once more. Vivi followed closely behind the beast from that point on, berating herself at her stupidity. She knew better than to touch an unknown thing. Still, it wasn't all her fault. Clearly, the fragrance of the flower had drawn her in. Vivi kept her eyes on the ground as much as possible, not daring to be pulled into yet another trap. The grassy earth had turned into a sandy desert by the time she had gotten over the flower ordeal. Looking up, she saw that they were in a valley, with stones lining a path leading towards a cave. Vivi allowed herself to be led further into the valley. The beast was still a threat, but in this odd new land, she was all Vivi had for protection. They stopped before reaching the cave. The beast turned to look at Vivi. It was a bit unnerving how deeply those eyes could latch onto hers, but Vivi forced herself not to squirm or protest in any way. We will not go in, the beast said finally. I cannot protect you from them. Without further explanation, the beast turned and began walking again. Vivi could not fathom a guess as to whom them was. Perhaps the rest of the beast's family? They took what Vivi believed to be a detour, and within a short while they came upon a little clearing under a large tree. 
There was water beyond this tree, and Vivi couldn't help but get the feeling this spot was unusually peaceful for the area, hidden and quiet. Vivi joined the beast at the large, flat tree stump that resembled a shoddy table. Without warning, the beast violently grabbed Vivi's wrist, pulling her forcefully off balance, causing her to fall to her knees. Vivi stifled a cry, fearful that she might anger the beast if she drew attention to herself. Bear your hand, the beast ordered, ignoring Vivi's uncomfortable position. Obediently, she opened her hand wide, unable to see what was happening beyond her view of the beast's body. She felt a sudden, sharp pain and instinctively tried to pull her hand back, to no avail. The beast's grip was firm on her arm, the claws digging deeper into her wrist, and Vivi could feel blood trickle down her palm. After an agonizing moment of unnatural silence, the beast released its hold on her arm. Vivi clutched her arm to her chest, balling her bleeding hand into a fist, her fear of the beast fully returning. How could she have been so easily swayed by its protection? It just needed her for some reason. Vivi looked down at her hand, opening it up to reveal the cut. It doesn't look too bad, Vivi acknowledged, trying to calm herself down. The puncture wounds on her wrist from the claws were a bit pink, but not actively bleeding, and the cut on her hand wasn't deep enough to be too serious. I just need to clean and wrap it, if I ever get a chance to escape. A glowing light pulled Vivi's mind away from her thoughts. Droplets of her blood began forming an orb, which was hovering just below the beast's head. No magic where you are from, but magic formed here can be used there. Oh, Vivi said, not at all understanding what was happening. Why did the beast need her blood to form that orb? What was the beast going to use the orb for in her world anyway? The beast glanced at her, the first time since they were at the entrance of the cave. It did not turn its head, but provided an explanation. By touching tooth, you create bond with sun. Most would die. Poison. Your blood is strong. I will use it to track my son. Phoebe realized her mouth was hanging open yet again. She could have died just by touching the tooth? She thought back to the moment she had picked it up. What if she hadn't been the one to touch it? What if mom or dad had found it first? You have been here too long. We must return you. Without waiting for Vivi to follow, the beast quickly began on the path they had come from. Vivi forcibly pushed her shock and worry aside and hurried to catch up, unbelievably relieved they would be returning to her home. The beast could have killed me to take my blood. It could have left me here to die. But it's actually going to bring me home? Vivi's hopes began to rise as they passed the cave and entered the grassy forest once more. The beast abruptly stopped at a random patch of vines. Looking more closely, Vivi realized the greenery had grown in a box-like shape. This is where the crawl space must be. Taking one last glance around, she quickly followed as the beast led the way, trying not to fear the utter darkness she was venturing into. I'm going home, Vivi thought bravely. Within moments, she was able to stand in the closet and exit as the beast continued forward. It looked around, as if seeing the surroundings for the first time. The orb left its side, headed towards the fireplace. The beast followed. Wait, Vivi said quietly, in both attempt to keep her voice down and not insult the beast. We need to leave through the front door and walk around the house. The beast stared at Vivi once again, but this time, Vivi decided to take a chance and walked deftly to the front door, unlocking it before turning around. The beast was directly behind her, clutching the orb with its claws. Vivi knew the beast was smart, but she was still unsure it wouldn't just rip a hole through the wall to get to the other side. Turning the handle softly, she winced as the rusty hinges creaked. 
She held her breath as she stood in the open doorway, begging her parents to stay sleeping. We're almost through this, she thought. The beast let the orb go, and it flew out the door and to the right. Without hesitating, the beast roughly pushed past Vivi on her left, slamming her small body against the door on her right. Rubbing at her nose, she glanced up the staircase as she closed the door. If only she had stayed in her room. The orb didn't lead them too far, only a few blocks, before they approached the local park. It was a bit sad in comparison to some neighborhoods. The grass never grew completely in, and it had been years since anyone attempted to plant flowers. But the playground equipment held fond memories for Vivi. Her mother would race her on the swings, seeing who could go the highest. Her father would hold her steady as she climbed across the monkey bars. He would also push Vivi and her mother on the carousel wheel and jump on when it got to a really fast speed, their laughter circling them on the wind. Vivi's smile faded as the beast walked into her view. That's right, she thought. Find its sun. Vivi glanced around in the darkness, the streetlights barely illuminating the park in comparison with the moon. The trees, the decorative rocks, it all looked so bizarre now that she had seen the other world. A strange gurgling noise caught her ear as she walked towards the tennis courts. She had a distinct feeling it was laughter. Perhaps it was her connection. She touched the duct tape holding the tooth to her chest, remembering that it could have poisoned her. The orb traveled past her and led them to the gazebo. Looking down, she saw a small creature that could have been mistaken for a vulture, or perhaps a ragged dog with mange. The beast picked the small creature up as gently as Vivi supposed it could. It was just a baby. We return home now, the beast grumbled softly, more to its son than Vivi. But the baby wiggled in its clutches, eyes fixed on Vivi. Understanding, the beast held the baby out towards her, allowing Vivi to take him. Surprisingly, Vivi wasn't at all scared to have the creature in her arms. It seemed she was drawn to him as much as he was to her. He curled up in her arms, head resting under her chin. Smiling softly, Vivi moved her hand to its back, trying not to make contact with her wounded palm. Her fingertips danced along his skin. It wasn't at all what she imagined it would feel like. Although it looked like hard, rough scales, it felt smooth and soft, a bit like fabric. A pleasant musky smell reached her nose as he sighed contently into a nap. They were halfway home now, and Vivi felt more at ease than she had through the whole ordeal. If I don't ask now, I'll lose my chance forever, she thought, and mustered enough courage to ask the beast, Why is my closet a portal? A long silence passed before the beast paused in its movement, still not turning to look at Vivi. There was once magic in this world. Pockets still remain. Relics. Haunted sights. Magician's tables. The beast continued the journey forward, and Vivi thought more on what was said. In order for a portal to exist in her closet, it had to contain a pocket of magic. I wonder what we have. I hope it's not a ghost. They entered the house without much excitement. The baby had fallen fully asleep and fought groggily with the beast as it pulled him away. In silence, the beast turned and entered the closet, struggling to travel through the crawl space with a baby in its arms. What are you doing up? Are you all right? Vivi's eyes shot to the staircase, watching Ruth walk down them. Uh, yeah. Sorry I woke you. I, uh, needed some water, Vivi thought quickly, hiding her bleeding hand behind her body. Ruth eyed Vivi standing by the open closet suspiciously. So it was you who made the mess earlier. And here I was blaming your father. What? Vivi asked without thinking. There was no mess when the beast let her downstairs. Then again, hadn't the baby come through before the beast? He must have fallen through the pocket and wandered out of the closet. Oh, I didn't mean to. 
It's all right. No harm done. I just don't like this door being open. It's cluttered in there with all the coats, you know, Ruth said, somewhat distractedly. Uh-huh, Vivi responded. Was it possible her mother knew about the crawl space? Now I just have to figure out how the screen and the window got so garbled, said Ruth with a kiss to Vivi's head. Vivi watched her return upstairs before moving, scared of drawing more attention to herself. Grabbing the first aid kit, she washed and bandaged her palm as best she could, settling for a simple neosporin massage on her wrist where the beast's claws had dug in. In a rapid motion, she pulled the duct tape off her chest, realizing for the first time how uncomfortable it had been. Gently rubbing the welts that had begun to form, she thought back to the events of the evening. Is it over now? She thought. She hadn't paid the least bit of attention to what happened to the orb once the baby had been found. But surely the beast had no need for her now, right? Looking down at the tape holding the tooth, she got the impression it somehow wasn't over. Vivi did all she could to relax before crawling back into her bed. She refused to actively think on the events any more that night, and after struggling with her mind, exhaustion finally overtook her. The next morning, Vivi woke up certain that it had all been a dream. She stretched lazily, balling her fists in the process. Ow! The dull ache of her palm was not happy with being touched. So it wasn't a dream, she thought. Standing up, she wandered over to her desk where she had laid the duct tape with the attached tooth. Memories of the night before rushed at her all at once. The jungle, the flower, the desert, the beast. And to think she had been so excited to go exploring today. At least I know where the tooth came from, she thought sarcastically. Vivi walked slowly into the kitchen. There was no way she would be able to hide her bandaged hand, and she wasn't sure how she was going to explain how it happened. But to her luck, she was alone. She was about to pour herself a bowl of cereal when an overwhelming urge came over her. She had to investigate. Swiftly, she tiptoed to the coat closet, closing its door behind her with a flashlight in her hand. She waited to turn it on until after she pushed the coats aside and entered the crawl space. On hands and knees, she began looking for anything that might have created the pocket. Vivi ran her hand along the walls and finally found a hint. Small cuts made into the wood, writing, but nothing she'd ever seen before. Not that she could really see all that well, even with the flashlight. The piece of wood felt out of place. Was it taken from somewhere else and put here? On purpose? Vivi's mind was now racing with questions. How long had her family been living in this house? Who was the previous owner? Something rubbery tickled her fingers, and she looked down, realizing she had laid her arm through the portal. She was touching a plant. A smirk fought its way onto her face. Although horribly terrifying as last night had been, how utterly amazing was it that such a connection could occur? In her house. A soft cooing drew her attention, and she watched as a small claw reached out for her hand. Hello again, little guy, Vivi said, happy despite herself. The little beast's son fully returned to view, jumping without thought into her lap. Vivi couldn't help but to giggle. She was clueless as to what was going on. But one thing she was sure of, this was most certainly not the end. So, I would like to talk about my story, but there really isn't any moral or lesson to be learned. Well, certainly there are points that could be discussed, but instead I'd rather talk about this day versus this story. I'm torn between talking about society's views on birthdays and getting older, and the pressure to be successful. But while contemplating that idea, I realized they're quite similar, at least in my experience. When I was in high school, I thought I had everything planned out. Graduate high school at 17, that's the fun thing about a September birthday, 
graduate college in four years, around 22, be married by 24, and by 30, I would be a loving mother. My career had always been an unknown for me, since I knew it was unlikely to become a successful actor, but that was my dream. Instead, I will be 34 when this airs. I did graduate high school and graduated college at 23, a great feat in my opinion since I transferred colleges for a semester and then took a year off to afford to move back to UGA. I was almost two years behind, but I studied full-time year-round to catch up. Anyway, I am single, my child is a dog, and my career is still up in the air. The thing that gets me is that growing up, I thought life ended at 30. Not in a depressing way, but in a happily ever after way. You work hard, and once you hit 30, you enjoy the life you've settled into. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy my life. I bought a house with my best friend, who is conveniently my blood sister. I prefer having furry children rather than human ones, and I'd rather be single than in the wrong relationship. Yet, I still don't feel successful. So therefore, my age is a constant reminder that, to me, I am a failure. And I'm sharing all of this with you, dear listener, because I feel that this is a common issue, for young and old alike. And so I most certainly am not the only one with this feeling. But as we've seen with cognitive restructuring, just because we have this thought or feeling doesn't mean it's the truth. And simply put, it's not. I am not a failure for being single. I am not a failure for taking my time with my career. Life isn't a paint-by-number. If there is one piece of advice I would give my younger self, it would be that you don't change as a person when you grow from a child to an adult. There isn't a magical book of answers and knowledge that's handed to you. Life is still unclear. That's the meaning of life, to find your own unique clarity. Just as we are not promised tomorrow, There is no time limit for our success. Instead of trying to redefine ourselves to fit society's views, we need to redefine our personal view of success. Walk through your accomplishments as I list mine, for example. I have an education. I own a house. I host my very own podcast. I book voiceover work in my own home studio. My conclusion, I am not a failure. I'm just another year older. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story.